And it's a wonderful, cold Sunday night here in Las Vegas. Welcome on into Heat Wave Sports right here on Fox Sports Radio. Las Vegas, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. Tim Ugglesby, Ryan with you in just a crazy, cold Las Vegas. And I'm going to go all the way to the other side of the country, New York. And Mr. Tom Barton from TomBartonSports.com. Tom, it's pretty cold here, man. I, I saw it was snowing. I saw you know, everybody uh, that all of my friends there and everybody I follow from Vegas is showing just how ridiculous it is. What are you looking at right now? What, what's the temperature right now? Well, it says it's 45 degrees, but it feels like it's 25 degrees. So I don't I don't know, man. Yeah, here we we had um, we had a little bit of a cold spell, but we're sitting at eh, we're in the mid 30s. But, you know, yesterday we were in the mid forties or two days ago, we were in the mid forties. We were almost where you guys are this week. Um, it's supposed to get up to 54 here in just about three or four days. So it is weird. You know, I tell people starting all the time. I, I mean, look, when I say I <laughs> consider Vegas, my second home. Uh, yeah. For 20 years, I, I was there extensively. When I say extensively, I, I went, a seven or an eight year span. It was about seven and a half year span where I didn't not come out there for a week, every single month. You know, I lived there, stayed there for a couple of months uh, at a time at times. So when I tell people about Vegas and they just have the idea, Oh, it's always so hot. It's always in the desert. Like, listen, (laughs) I've landed twice when there was snow. I have been there where you need a jacket. Uh, You know, I mean, I've been there for, for, what, four or five New Year's I celebrated there? Of course, how many Super Bowls that I've been in Vegas? It gets cold, man, and you guys are just going through it right now. I feel like it's colder now with March literally days away. I feel like it's colder now than it was in December, and maybe I'm just – I don't know, Tom. Maybe maybe the age is catching up to me and my body just suffers differently, but I could swear it was not this cold in December – so, hey, man, believe what they say about global warming not being a real thing, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, definitely not. <laughs> I, I will say this, though, Tim. You know, March is always that weird, weird month. And I've said this. I did St. Patrick's Day in New York City for years. There were years, legitimately years, where I wore shorts to, on St. Mm-hmm. Patrick's Day. On March 17th, I wore shorts for the parade. There were years where there was snow on the ground. You know, even I... I'm not going to be here next week, and well, I won't be here next Sunday uh, because I'm going down to Florida for my 10-year anniversary, right? The day – and you were there. The day before my wedding or, you know, the night before – the two nights before time. So the day before time, before my wedding took place, we had a, we had a snowstorm. All of yeah. my wedding pictures have snow on the ground. But my wife didn't even have to, like, wear a throw the day of the wedding day to take the pictures with the snow on the ground because it was like in the mid to uh, upper 50s. That's how quickly it changes. Oh, I remember that trip very well, Tom. I legit you got the flu. Yeah. yeah. I got the flu the day we left. Uh, I could feel it. And then we were on JetBlue, me and Ronnie. And I got the uh, – we were able to get the – just outside of first class, there's the, the next section, and, and there's like more foot room there because all it is is a – there's no nobody in front of you. It's just like a wall, but there's a little more foot room. And I just remember I was miserable for the first couple hours. I had a fight till I just finally passed out. And then I I bought stock in um, that Alka-Seltzer, the, the tablets, the cold tablets you drop in there. And oh, I yes. down, down that, Tommy. And I was 
I was suffering a little bit, but I was ready to go come wedding time two days later for sure, man. That was that yeah, was yeah. Crazy. You, you, I remember you looking at you and you said, "I'm so sick." Did you look okay? <laughs> well, I feel a little bit better now. <laughs> but yeah, it was. We flew into a snowstorm. That's what we flew into, man. Laguardia, right? We flew into it, and then we're outside taking pictures. You see snow everywhere, and, and Abby's in like a short, <laughs> short, you know, no sleeve dress, perfectly okay. <laughs> I'm telling you, this is this is why everybody gets sick this time of year. You know, it's going to be yeah. crazy. I'm I'm looking at the, the the Vegas weather, right? And this is how people get sick, right? Th- this is why. I know it's germs and people. It's an old wives' tale, but right, it says 45 in Vegas right now. It's supposed to go down to you know like 40 tonight. You might hit 39 in places tonight. It's supposed to be 60 on Friday, 65 on Sunday. So yeah. one week from today. <laughs> You're talking about like almost a 30 degree difference. Yeah, that'll take its toll on the body. Absolutely. Absolutely. Since we're talking about March and we're talking about you're going to be absent next Sunday, we're actually on both nights next week, Tom, Saturday, Sunday. And then I believe um, the following week, I want to say we are as well. So are, you're going to be gone next Sunday, but you're back the following weekend. Yes. Is that correct? No, 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 no. I'm going to be here. Yeah, you're already wrong. I'll be uh, on for the 4th, not on for the 5th, and then I'm gone for the 11th and 12th. Okay. So the next time I talk to you, we'll already be into March Madness. Although I will try to give the the show a call um, while I'm away. I just can't commit to the two hours. No, understood. Understood. We can even get you a call in on maybe the – the twelfth, right? Because that'll be the, yes. the last show leading into the, the, the actual bracket starting on Tuesday. So, right. All right, we'll, I'll, we'll play I'll about you. One of those yeah. two. And then the next show for you would be the eighteenth, which is the first weekend of the tournament. And I believe Tom, we are confirmed for a remote on that day here in Vegas. So we'll we'll know more come next Saturday night. So I think we're going to be on the road for that night. Yeah, I already got the call from Cotter going, are we going to Atlantic City again this year? You know, we go, we've gone the last three or four years. I said, man, I'm getting home from vacation on Tuesday and I'm going to be leaving Wednesday. Yeah, I guess (laughs) I'm doing it. What the heck, right? (laughs) Well, we're going to talk plenty of basketball here tonight and next Saturday night as well. So I think, Tom, we should should start on that and, and, you know, see where it takes us because – as we, as you just said, and I just said that Selection Sunday is just a couple weeks away, and, and already we're starting to see some of these top tier teams. Tommy, start, maybe some of the pressures, the cracks are beginning to, to to form on some of these schools. Yeah, you know, we we try to pick out a team here and there, right? That um, last week we talked about. I really harped on North Carolina. I said I thought they had to go four and oh. You said three and one. I said okay, fine. I'll say three and one. If, you know, if they beat Virginia, well, they beat Virginia. They're now two and zero with two games left. And suddenly we gave them a lot of, a lot of luck. We touched on Kansas. We touched on Kentucky, touched on some of the big boys. I made a comment last week and I did talk to our buddy Rob about it during the course of this week. And it's so funny because I'm a guy that lives in New York. Although I spent a lot of time in Las Vegas, a lot of time, you know, in Boston, Florida, uh, and obviously in Seattle that, I, I'm a Pac-12 guy. I do. I like the Pac-12. You know, I, 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 I'm I, not an anti for sure. 
And when you hear me talk for the last couple of years, anti-Arizona, anti-UCLA, I find myself going, wow, why do I not like the Pac-12? And, and I kind of took a step back this year. And after we got off the air, I was like, well, yeah, kind of ripping on the Pac-12 again this year. I just don't believe in them. I just don't buy it. I talking to our buddy Rob this week. He was telling me about UCLA and I'm going, ah, I don't know. I just don't buy it. Today I went out to Twitter and I said, you know, the line had opened up at six. It was creeping up to seven and let's see how high it goes off. It went off at eight in some spots. I said, you're only in a six-point opening favorite on the road against what I consider lowly Colorado for a chance to win the outright championship. Like, how do you how are you not double-digit favorites? And I'm equating it to the bests of the leagues, right? Think about the best of the best. Virginia is probably the best team in the ACC. If they went on the road against a middle-of-the-road team, uh, you know, uh, a team that's not going to make the tournament, Florida State, for example, they're going to be double-digit favorites. Kansas goes on against them. They're going to be double-digit favorites. You know, the top team should be double-digit favorites. And guess what? Not only did UCLA not cover, they barely won the game. They didn't even cover the original number of six. And UCLA, looked, they looked bad tonight. So we didn't concentrate on them, but I kind of want to here, Tim, because I find myself being anti-Pac-12 when I used to support them completely, I just don't like the conference this year. Arizona is another one. Arizona has an opportunity. They were double-digit favorites. I know it's a rivalry game, but they were double-digit favorites at home. You lose that game to Arizona State. I look at the Pac-12 this year in a very similar fashion I look at the ACC. And again, I've been screamed at that I'm the ACC guy. Uh, the Pac-12 and the ACC to me this year, Tim, no real threats. No teams in the Final Four. No teams in the Elite Eight. I'm not sure if they could get a team into the Sweet 16. That's how down I am about Arizona and UCLA. Am I overreacting because of this weekend? Maybe a little bit, but long term, I don't think so. I agree with you. And where's the Pac-12 really? If you take the last 10 years and look at the tournament results for the Pac-12, I I would really love to see what the percentage is. And I'm not talking about how far a team gets either, Tom, because we already know that they're not winning. So I want to know what their percentage is of, of their record once they're in that tournament. So if you look at the Pac-12 right now, for sure, right, Tom, we, we have to say, regardless of what happens in the tournament, the Pac-12 tournament, UCLA and Arizona go in. Uh, then you have to worry about, at this point, just USC and Arizona State, because I don't think anybody else makes it from this field or this, this uh, conference. Did Arizona State do enough here, Tim? I'm going to say, I'm going to lean That's a, that's I'm a really huge, know. huge yeah. road win. I know it's a, I know it's a rivalry game and weirdly people don't give a lot of credit to rivalry games, but Tim, they went on the road late in the year, beat Arizona in their house. Yeah. I, I, I think for them, the tournament is a, is a, it's, it's one of those live or dies, right? Because obviously they get into the semifinals of the Pac-12 tournament. I think they're in. But if they lose in the first round or second round, you know, that could very much hurt them. And we already know how it goes. We can claim East Coast bias all we want. But if there's an ACC team sitting there that's on the bubble and there's an Arizona State team sitting there on the bubble, the ACC team's getting the bid. But, Tim, let, let, let me make the argument, okay? Mm -hmm. Let me be uh, Mr. Arizona State here for a second. 
wins against Michigan on a neutral site, wins against Creighton on a neutral site. Those are the out-of-conference out of wins, right? I mean, those are two big wins. They went into Oregon and won that game. Now they went into Arizona and won that game. It's not like their resume isn't chock full. Now, they do have UCLA on Thursday, and Saturday they have USC. They have 20 wins. To me, I'm already putting them in. I, I, I am. I think that this win against Arizona on the road in this spot, that gets them the win. I, I'm, I'm, I'm putting them in. But if you want to tell me they got to win against UCLA on Thursday, I, I mean, if they win against UCLA on Thursday, Tim, they're automatically I can they so, lose yeah. UCLA and beat USC? And I'm talking about forget about the Pac-12 tournament. Let's let's say you know they're they're a one win and then out. I think if they beat UCLA, they are in as in as you could be. And I'm not sure they're not already in. They, the next two games, so they have UCLA and USC on the road. They've lost to both those schools so far this year already. They have bad losses against Washington, Washington State, and Colorado. Terrible losses. Those are all bottom dwelling teams in the conference but i think you're right if they win on thursday i'd say i think it's enough to get them in there because ultimately you want to have your power schools represented somewhat deep right tom because if they put they, there's only going to be four unless oregon utah somebody like that wins the tournament there's only going to be four at the most going from the pac 12 so thursday win they're in thursday loss i don't think it keeps them out even if they lose to USC, I don't necessarily keep them out, but they will have to do some damage in the tournament if they lose the next two games. Yeah, I, I mean, look, I'm a little bit different mindset um, just because of those uh, Michigan and Creighton. You, you know, those those neutral site. If they were home t- home games, I would say no. Neutral site games against decent teams that are going to be a conference tournament. I mean, that are going to uh, the tournament. And then this Arizona game. I, I, I don't know. Look, if they win against UCLA or USC, I'm saying 100%. I think that they're in already. What about how far UCLA and Arizona can go, though, Tim? Four and seven coming into the week. They both drop home. Well, they UCLA was on the road. They both, uh, you know, were a scary kind of situation. Arizona drops a home game. Um, do they flip-flop? They, I mean, you almost have to, right? I mean, they came in at four and seven. Even though it was a scare from Colorado, and let's be honest, a scare from Utah, you know, it was back-to-back scares. They got the wins, Tim. Don't you have to say they're going to, you know, sit there and say, UCLA, not only a, not only the Pac-12 champion, but aren't they a number one seed overall? Yeah. But if Aaron, but, but here's the here's the question. Here's why I said flip-flop. Right now, sure. If Arizona wins the Pac-12 championship, wins their next two games, let's say UCLA wins their next two games, right? Um, all of a sudden, uh, it, look, they have they, – they, they can't because they actually face UCLA. So Arizona goes out there. They beat UCLA. Before the Pac-12 championship, do they become the one seed? Or no, they didn't do enough and they were put back to it too. Who wins the Pac-12 championship tournament? That, let's say that, neither one of them. Let's say Arizona oh, State. Okay. Okay, if Arizona State, then UCLA, I think UCLA would get the one regardless of what happens in the final game. Really? Even if UCLA loses to Arizona here? It's going to be a home loss. I'm going to say, yeah, I don't think it's enough. Wow. And, and my point why I want to bring that up is because 
Actually, Tommy you know, let me take that back. Tommy. Let me take that back because they already lost to him, right? Yeah. Yeah. Then, then the Arizona would be the ones. Yeah. They, I did. I forgot that they already played earlier this year. So, but yeah, that changed you know, everything. My, yeah. My point in bringing that up here, Tim, is coming into the week by almost every metric, UCLA was a one and Arizona was a two. You know, I mean that that's by every metric. I think there's a very good possibility neither one of them are a one, and maybe they're doing a two three. I it wouldn't shock me if both get knocked out of the two, and you're looking at UCLA and Arizona both three seeds. That's how far they could fall because of what the schedule has in front of them, and because of that loss. I know it's a one point loss. I get it, but you can't lose games at this time in the year and expect to be considered. I think Arizona lost the one seed, even if they do it win the Pac-12 championship. I think they lost the one seed. And I don't think that they could get it back. So it's only UCLA, and they would have to win against Arizona and probably do really well in in the championship. Anyway, look, Houston's going to be a one. Alabama's going to be a one. Kansas is going to be a one. So it's who else do you put in there? Is it the Purdue? Is it the – I think Virginia's out of the conversation. Is it, yeah. is it a Texas, a Baylor? I mean, you're talking about the, the, the numbers won't be the same, but I just don't think the committee is looking at UCLA <clears> – <throat> Unless they roll through or Arizona as a one seed anymore, I, I think I think they are just because number one, and again we're we're assuming that they don't lose the next two games and then lose in the tournament early, right? We're assuming that at worst they split the next two games and they at least go to the finals in the tournament. I would assume, or maybe even the semifinals, because you said it, you can't put Purdue as a one anymore, you can't put Virginia as a one anymore. It's either Arizona or it's UCLA. I don't think Texas is – I don't think they can rise up enough. So it's one of the two. What about a Marquette, Tim? 21-6. and six. If they win the Big East Championship, they have a, a win against Baylor already out of conference, a nice marquee win. Can Marquette, who came into the week at 10, that was before a big win this week, I think they're going to be – I think when the new rankings come out, they're going to be seven or so. Can they get to the four line? I don't think so. I don't see the West not having a one seed somewhere. It's And I don't see UCLA, though. I don't see the bottom dropping out of it, like the, the position that we would put them in. Even if they lose, if to, they Arizona, lose to Arizona State, Tim, and then to Arizona, it's going to get real interesting. Right, right, and if they lose to Arizona on home at their on their home field, I think you're right. I think that's enough to bounce them out of that one seed. But if they so if they get swept by Arizona in the season, but win the Pac-12 tournament and beat Arizona, is that enough to put them back into the one spot that they lost by losing to Arizona the second time? You know, I don't think so. That, that, that's kind of my thing. I think, I think that UCLA, I think they have to almost win out here. To get a one seed. The, the only problem is that you brought it up. You know, there is no real strong competitor for that four. I mean, it's a weak field. It's a one, two, three that we know. But you can't put Purdue in after losing to Indiana, not at home. You can't put Virginia in after losing to North Carolina. You can't put Arizona in, right? Not at this point, not after their loss. So you're talking about, you know, who is it going to be? Texas Baylor? Well, Texas is coming off a, a loss to Baylor. But Baylor gets that win. So maybe you're talking Baylor. Maybe you're talking Marquette. To me, those are the only two real competitors for that four spot. Marquette, Baylor, and then the Pac-12 champion. I just think that they will, they will take 
if Baylor wins the big, uh, the big 12, they're a, they're a top seed. They're 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 in one. If Marquette wins the Big East, I think they're a one. What do you think if, if the Pac-12 can get four, Tom? Can the Mountain West get three? Since we're talking West right now, I know we keep talking about the Mountain West getting three, and I, I gotta say, I I I see a path to it, Tim. I do. Mm-hmm. You know, we're usually this show we are going to tell you like it is right we are absolutely going to tell you sorry guys mountain west it's overrated but i don't think so this year i think that the mountain west is in a spot that they absolutely can get three i know people are screaming four five i heard somebody literally say five um i know people could are they talking four five i think three is very legitimate with the way that this is all broken down now i don't think they're going to get that four I think New Mexico, you know, we talked about them. I just, I know they have 20 wins. I, I get it. But they have now lost, Tim, they've lost six of the last seven games. You know, I mean, I, you can't lose late in the season. I think New Mexico is finished. So there are four possible teams that could come out of here. I I know a lot is going to depend on this tournament, and it is. It, it, this is what makes it so great about the Mountain West tournament. San Diego State punched their ticket already in. So it's Boise, Nevada, Utah State. If one of them gets bounced out early, Tim, right? Um, couldn't you find an excuse to not keep them in there? Yeah, and they will. Yeah, you look at you, you know you look at Boise State. Boise has San Diego State and Utah State. They lost one to San Jose State. I think where I thought that they would be in the driver's seat. I mean, I've been hot on on them all year. I think you're looking at this, this Boise State team. They lost to San Jose State. Okay, that's a bad loss. You can't do that. Now they have San Diego State. I think that the next game might be their their season here. If you beat San Diego State, it's going to be very hard to keep Boise State out of the tournament, right? I mean, regardless of, of unless they completely collapse in the Mountain West tournament, right? I think it's going to be hard to keep them out. But if you lose to San Diego State, now you have two losses. Now I think that... That San Diego State-Boise State game, that's going to determine if there's going to be two or three teams in this tournament. Because I do expect Nevada to beat Wyoming and UNLV, right? So Nevada will be able to pad their record here. San Diego State, like I said, they're already in, I think, regardless of what happens. So it comes down to, you know, do you do you have need a good showing kind of? Well, at UNLV and then, like I said, Boise State against Utah State, that'll be an interesting one. I, I think Boise State is the key team where they can absolutely cement themselves and say this could be a four-bid conference or they could eliminate themselves. And I think it comes down to the regular season. Forget about the tournament. I agree 100%. Boise State is in in a bad spot here with their last two games. They didn't get the the role of the schedule makers – whatever reason he's he was not happy with them when he made it because tom so san diego state's in i look at nevada like you i think they go two and oh and they finish with 24 wins in the regular season undefeated at home i think they win the first game in the mountain west tournament gives them 25 wins even if they lose in the second round of the tournament i think that that's going to be tough to keep a 25 win team out who has victories over you know teams in the mountain west that are above them and utah state again they should win 
at you they should beat UNLV, and then they have the home game against Boise State. And you said it: if Boise State somehow can't win that game on the road, and it's tough to play in that that gym that Utah State has, they're they're in serious trouble. And I think they they're the one that's uh, the team to watch as far as falling out here. I, I like I can see definitely Utah State sneaking into the tournament. Let's also look at the glass half empty, half empty here, Tim. There is a scenario where San Diego State wins. Boise State, like we said, drops their final two. And Utah State doesn't look good. Mm-hmm. There's a scenario where only two teams get in. But I think I think that they're, I think they're going to get three. I don't see a complete collapse here uh, by these teams. It would take – you know, it's funny. For the Mountain West to not have three teams in – it would take UNLV here, right, to to kind of spoil the party. UNLV would have to go and go beat Utah State and then on the road against Nevada. And I think UNLV goes and does that. They they could hurt the Mountain West. And then and then win a tournament game on your own, you know, home court, knocking off one of the big boys as well. UNLV is kind of gonna decide if uh the Mountain West gets three bids this year. Well, I mean, after that hell of a performance they put on against Air Force the other night, I don't see why not, right, Tom? <laughs> Unbelievable. I will say this, though. Look, you know, outside of uh, San Diego State, which which I should say that during every conversation, but outside of them, these teams, it, the home road splits from a lot of conferences are going to look very similar to this, but it is eye-popping. San Diego State, take this out with only their two losses, but Boise State's, Five and five on the road. Nevada six and six. Utah State six and four. San Jose State's four and eight. New Mexico's four five and five. UNLV four and five. Four and eight for San Jose. Four and seven. There's Tim, two teams in the entire conference: San Diego State and Utah State by a game that have a winning record on the road. I mean, that is that's going to hurt them if it comes down to splitting hairs at the end. How do they do? How do they, you hear me say it all the time? On the road. How do they do on the road? They don't. You know, I mean, they just don't. I don't know, Todd. You know, since we're talking about it, what if UNLV wins 20 games? Do they win the next two and win a game in the tournament? They're, they're going, man, right? I mean, according to everybody else out there. <laughs> it's tournament or bust for UNLV, let me tell you. Yeah. It's it's a joke. It is what it is. It but- is kind of funny, though, Tim. But I, I wish we had – and we have time to do it by next week, but we, we would have to do some real digging here. I wish we had the voice excerpts of us predicting UNLV because we struggled hard with landing on an exact number. And if you remember, I sat there and I said, man, I want to say 19 or 20 wins, but I think they're going to be 17, 18. And I think I settled on 18. And you said, you know, Tom, ah, I had 19 wins to start. But I'm going to settle on 17 or 18 wins. We're sitting at 17 with two games to go. I mean, yeah. you know, this was a, a year where we both thought that they would be improved. We thought that they would be better than last year. Um, but I, I, I think that we're going to be either directly on the number or one game off. Just the way that it happened is they started out better. Well, I wouldn't say that because we both thought they they had an easy non-conference. It was a joke schedule. It was yeah. it was a it was a garbage schedule. They cleaned up. On everybody. And we said that. We said, are you kidding me? Everyone's going to be, you know, rolling out the red carpet. We had them. The only game they went out there and impressed me early on was Dayton. 
Mm -hmm. uh, beating life Pacific is just not going to move the needle for me, right? So they they beat Dayton. We had them losing San Francisco, right? I had them losing to uh, Hawaii, um, but that's, you know, so I had them two more losses in that category, but I never expected them to lose home games like they did early on. They, they went 0-3 at home in conference. I mean, that was just not what I expected. I thought they'd pull out at least one of them. Um, and then here, you know, at, at the end, I, I knew San Jose State was going to be better. I thought they would pull out a win there. But generally speaking, this team is exactly what we thought they would be. And let's not forget the, the Dayton game. They were without their best player, and they went into a slump right after that. It was just a bad run for Dayton. I think you know if he finishes six and twelve. What does that tell you? I mean, that is kind of it's probably you have to look at it as did they improve? I don't know, Tom. At that point, if they finished six and twelve in conference, seventeen and thirteen heading into the Mountain West tournament, I don't think you can say that's an improvement at that point. It has to be looked at as uh, a regression, even from what he had coming into the season. I mean, I, I get it, but that's that's not. Do positive. they win a game in the in the tournament? Probably, I think so. So. That's what I'm thinking. I think yeah. that they, I think they can win two more games. I think that they can finish with 19. Do I think it's going to be Utah State? Probably not, but they can win that game. It's at home. Can they beat Nevada? It's tough on the road. They can win that game. Sure, they can, and they can win a game in the tournament. So I don't think they're going to win all three, but I'm going to give them one, and I think there's a good shot at two. So I don't see them finishing. You know the the seventy or three, which you know seventy or thirteen. You're right, wouldn't be an improvement. But I think they get eighteen or nineteen wins. We have to say, okay, it's a slight improvement. Yeah, is it though? Yeah, even if they even if they win the next two games, they still finish eight and ten in the conference. So, you know what I say to manage expectations yep. with UNLV. I expected them to be a middle of the road team. I expected them to be. You know, not in the top five. They are a middle-of-the-road team. They are currently ranked seven, right? I mean, this is where they are. They're not going to be bottom of the barrel, but they, they're not going to be top. They they are a program there every year. It's wait till next year. Yeah. Wait till the next coach comes in, right? Oh, we're getting a new coach already? All right. You re- if you read a lot of these, and I, get, I understand it's overreaction, but – it's unbelievable. People are already like, oh, I'll get rid of Kruger. Like, the guy just got here. <laughs> it's not even his real – look, we could have a three-hour show about UNLV basketball and still not have enough time to talk about all the problems that have led to where we're at. But there's no quick fix, and, and that's that's what people, the fans, in parentheses, Tommy, the fans don't want to understand. There's no quick fix, and they have to do it the right way. Are they doing it the right way? I don't know about that, but only time will tell. Well, you know what, Tim? There's other things going on in Vegas that I know you want to talk about maybe when we come back from the break, huh? Because, oh boy, uh, Vegas does a lot of things right. Yeah, they, they didn't do this right. They certainly yeah. didn't do this. Yeah. That's right. We'll talk about that. We've we'll got some baseball coming up uh, in hour two. Sprinkle some NFL talk in there. There's plenty going on here on a Super Sunday night here on Heat Wave Sports. Tim Unglesby, Tom Barton back after these quick, short messages. You know who that was? The basketball player. He's LeBron James. He's kind of like the basketball player. Oh, yeah. 
I think I saw one of his soda commercials. Do you follow sports? Oh my god, sports. I love them. Who are your favorite teams? The uh, I like smaller teams, like the not the big leagues. I like the like um, Long Island Mediums, the the Acorn Pine Cones. I haven't heard the of them. Fire Island Penguins. I like the Cincinnati Thunder Wizards. You can stop. The Orlando Blooms. You can stop. Now back to Heat Wave Sports. Here's Tom Barton and Tim Unglesby. Tommy, I'm checking the email, and and I, I swear this just came in. It came in at while we were on the air. It came in at ten fifteen tonight from a Jessica Lance. Very nice, very nice young lady that works for the Big West, Tommy. And I'm on board, brother. My credential is approved for the Big West basketball tournament championship. I'm stoked. Nice. Man. Yeah. Very cool. I this like it. For- Listen, you know I love the mid majors. Absolutely love them. Yeah. I got I invited think- last year um, to the Ivy League, you know, championship because I have my Ivy League podcast. Believe in the Ivy League plug. Um, I got invited there and I could not make it, which was just, it, it was a rough situation. I could not make it. This year, I can't make it again. And I'm like, you know, man, I, I know that I always, you know, hype up the tournament, but I've got to get out to Vegas and sit next to you next year. So we could sit down and we could really uh, do these conference tournaments the right way. I love the the conference tournament. The American East tournament, I've been to. I've been to uh, when they used to have the CAA out here. I've been to that one. But I want to go to – the the West is fun. That's a good one. That's a good tournament. Big West tournament. I'll be juggling that with the Mountain West tournament, Tom. And uh, usually the WAC, too. I haven't heard back from them, though, but that's okay. So since we're talking about these these conferences, and I know you and I were talking a little bit in the break about some of the powerhouse schools potentially being early and out weekend number one, you know, when you look at the Big West, and I get it, the conference, the bottom conference is pretty, it's pretty bad. But right now, Tom, just in, right before the tournament even starts, and there's a couple games to go here, there's five schools that are a game within a game of each other battling out for the number one seed in the tournament. That that's that's going to be a fun one to watch, I think. You know, there's different points during the season that I love to bet on the Big West, or I just turn away because I'm like, geez, anybody could beat anybody at any given night. You know, uh, there there's different times. This year has been increasingly hard. I mean, you said there's five teams, but listen, would it shock anybody if Long Beach State won this whole thing? Would it shock you if UC Davis won this whole thing? I, I mean, I expected Hawaii to be better than they were. They are tw- a 21-win team, which sounds great, but they had, they had a couple of losses where I thought they, they could win. They are, to me, the team that everybody looks at and goes, they, you know, you bet them on the island, but you don't bet them against the island, right? You ride them there. They can't win away from home. And I look at this team and I go, yeah, I don't know about that. I, I mean – I think that they can have a run here. They have gone on the road and they've beaten some decent teams. You know, I mean, they're all in conference, but they just beat Long Beach State. They beat Bakerfield. They've won three of the last four, two of them on the road. They have two on the road here to end it off. Tim, you could potentially be looking at Hawaii as a 23-win team entering their tournament. I mean, 
How do you keep Hawaii out even if they don't win the tournament? Now, I, I get it. Cal State Fullerton, uh, better head-to-head, but they only have 18 wins. I'm not making the case for them. UC Irvine, UC Riverside, they both have 20 wins, two games left, uh, you know, unless they go and win both. I think Hawaii, 23-9 and record, them and UC Santa Barbara, which obviously is the, the class right now, the conference. Hawaii, UC Santa Barbara, Tim, I want to make a bid for them to go in even if they don't win the conference tournament. Yeah, it, it would be tough to see more than one school go, I think, when it comes down to it. But you could present the resume and see what happens, right, Tom? It, you know, for me, I get it. You know, I get the idea that, well, they didn't play this many games and, and this. And, oh, it's hard. It's really hard for me to keep out a first-place team in the regular season, which Hawaii's a game back, I get it, but UC Santa Barbara's in first, right? It's hard for me to keep out a regular season champion that has 22 or 23 wins to, to not make a stand. Even though, I, like you say all the time, they're going to put like 10 teams for the Big Ten in, right? 10 teams for the, from the Big 12, and I have no chance of listening to, to reason here. I get it, but it's very difficult for me to not make a good, valid argument for a 22-23 win team that has less than 10 losses, single-digit losses, 22-23 wins, and a regular season title, you should go to the tournament. Yeah. Can a school from, and you know, we always love the upsets, right? It's the fun, fun time, but is it really an upset when we break it down? And what about schools like Oral Roberts, Colgate, Iona, can they win in the tournament, Tom? That's what it comes down to. Absolutely. There are a couple of teams that I have circled and I have my eye on. You named one of them, Oral Roberts. You guys know a couple of years ago, um, I absolutely cleaned up first round. I called for an Oral Roberts money line. I hit it. Every Tom Barton Sports.com member got the money line and the points. Second round, money line and the points back-to-back with Oral Roberts, and I, I, I got paid. <laughs> I mean, I absolutely got paid. And I like them again because I think they, they again, they have the player that was on that team. Uh, they have the best shooter in the country. I think he's the best offensive player in the country. Yeah, I said it. I really do. That's how good I think that he is. And if he gets a favorable matchup, the matchups that I'm starting to see is against Virginia. I think Virginia is very, very ripe for the picking to be a one-and-done. Iowa State. Very much. Iowa State's 8-8 eight eight in conference and 2-8 and eight on the road. Again, I think that they are a team that can get knocked off right away. Um, you look at it as Xavier. Xavier always seems to struggle, right, in this kind of spot. All of those teams are sort of projected. Illinois, who lost today, maybe they get an Oral Roberts matchup. How about San Diego State? Give me Oral Roberts in that case. I like an Oral Roberts in the middle there. If you're talking about you know projected like 11, 12, 13 seeds, Hofstra is very dangerous. Iona, well coached, obviously, right? I mean, you guys know my my affinity for Vermont. I think Vermont can be a a sticking team, a tough team. And you mentioned Colgate. Look, Colgate is out there every single year putting up good performances. Oh, year after year, they are a battle tested team. I think they could certainly make some noise as well. Believe in the Ivy. What about a Yale? I I don't even know if Yale is going to be there. Look, I've done the Ivy Leagues and I've said it. Um, I, I've done my I believe in the Ivy League show on the Believe Network for three years now. But I've been an Ivy League fan forever. I have never 
seen such an absolutely awesome display of basketball at the top because it's so fun, but I don't see that elite team. So Mm -hmm. in the Ivy Leagues, you you know, you have, as of two weeks ago, you had a four-way tie for first place. Okay, so that'll just tell you. Now, it's gotten a little weeded out since then. I don't believe that Yale is the team right now, convincingly. There's a three-way tie for first. Yale, Princeton, and Penn are all three-way tie. Okay, I can see any one of them making the tournament. Do I see any one of them making noise in the tournament? No. Penn is really red hot right now. I mean, they are red hot. They've won eight games in a row. They are smoking the competition. Maybe their hot streak gets them there. If they could continue this and they go in, you know, you go into the tournament winning 12 games in a row, people are going to pay attention to Penn. Princeton, Yale, I don't see it from them this year. I mean, they have a player here or there, right? And Dingle's really good. They got a couple of players here, but I, I don't think that they're going to be that team to make any noise. Yale is not great away from home. Princeton has defensive problems. Penn is the one team that I think that could be maybe a thorn in someone's side just because they're so incredibly red hot right now. And since we're talking Ivy and we know you went to Harvard, is this the end of the road for Tommy Amaker? No, definitely not. Uh, no, definitely not. I, I mean, it's been, look, been a bad couple is, seasons. Man. Yeah. I know, but it 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 won't be. He, he's too beloved there. He did too much for that school. People don't realize Harvard basketball was atrocious. I mean, really, really bad. It was generally considered like the worst in the Ivy Leagues for decades, not, not for a short period of time. Tommy Amaker has made this team the perennial favorite, right? I mean, they're right up there all the time. Nah, Amaker's not going anywhere. It, the Ivy Leagues are different with that because – you look at Harvard and you look at the bad year they had, and yes, it's been a bad year. I don't care that they're 14 and 13. It's a bad year. Um, if he has two more losing seasons like this, sure. But Harvard was – he's not going anywhere. No, not this year. Let me, okay, let me, let me rephrase it then. I'll rephrase this. And, and you're right. They, they, in that conference, they're just not firing coaches for no reason. But he had <clears> – <throat> His last two years have been subpar, let's put it that way, yes. coming off the COVID year. And then the year before that, well, you and I both agree they got screwed out of a tournament appearance. They're a 21 team and got screwed in the tournament. But So has his last run potentially cost him a job if he wanted to go somewhere? High? Remember forever, in the, in the early 2010s through the mid, up until about, what, 2016 or so, he was the guy that was going to take Coach K's spot, right? He was going to go back and be the guy there. And why would he, at that point, he got a better deal from Harvard. He took him to four consecutive tournaments. And now that, that talk for him just taking a big job in general, Tom, he's kind of just lowered out. Is it that he's happy where he is? He doesn't want to go anywhere? Or is it that maybe nobody's calling right now? Well, I think it's a little bit of both. You know, I think it is a little bit of both. I think, I think the new nil deals and the way that they – recruit in the Ivy Leagues really, really hurts, you know, what what a Harvard was. I mean, Harvard Mm -hmm. can walk onto a campus and say, hey, we're Harvard. I mean, walk into someone's house and say, hey, we're we're Harvard, but you're not getting a scholarship, oh, by the way. So now you have to say, because you don't, Ivy Leagues don't give scholarships, guys, but you're Harvard. So you were able to get people away. Okay, you know what? You you may not go, uh, you know, here, but okay, we're going to give you a scholarship in this. It's It's in the different way. Well, now you're going up against nil deals Oh, and scholarships, right? So 
It's really hard. You look at Amaker, 2012, 13, 14, 15. Uh, it, Harvard has only made the tournament, the NCAA tournament, five times ever. 1946, and then the four years that Tommy Amaker did it. 2012, 13, 14, and 15. Here's the thing, though. 2019-20 season, right, uh, because of COVID, the they, he was 10-4. and four. And that was a year where Harvard was supposed to go. That was their rebuilding. They, they had rebuilt that roster. He did a great job recruiting. That was going to be great. And, and all of a sudden, that kind of fell off, and he was never able to recover. So I think right now, if you're looking at a big job, he would have to go to an East Coast job, and he would have to go to another mid-major. He's not making the jump. You're right. There was a lot of conversation. He would be the Duke guy. Because you you could take Harvard to four straight appearances, you know. I mean, you might be the, the the replacement there. You might be the new Duke guy. That has fallen away. He's not getting a Division One, uh, you know, premier Power Six job right now. No way. He didn't even get a look at the replacement for uh, for Jay Wright in Villanova, which I thought maybe he would because it's the East Coast kind of job. Yeah, I thought maybe that when UConn job came up. Didn't even get kind of a sniff there. So I think it would take another mid-major job. And the question is, and this is the question I always ask about, uh, you know, the, the good coaches, the, the the basketball coaches that are around the league um, when, you, when you're starting to talk about, well, many people don't know. John Becker, it was, you know, 12 seasons at Vermont. Why doesn't he have a job? Well, because he's not going to go from Vermont to Kansas, right? He would have to go to another mid-major. And why would these guys make the jump there, right? Why would Tommy Amaker leave Harvard where he can win the conference and, and go in Vermont? John Becker, why would he leave Vermont and where he could go to another mid-major? Unless a big boy comes calling, they're not going to go. The, it, the story of Tommy Amaker, and I know this isn't a Tommy Amaker show, but it's a good point in that when you talk about just a good head coach, right? Seton Hall. Winning record, went to a tournament, took the job at Michigan, right, Tom? Uh, I guess their 320 win seasons wasn't enough. They didn't make the tournament, but 320 win seasons wasn't enough. So he takes his job at Harvard, of all places, goes to four tournaments. Is it for him, though, why why stay this long if that if that's the case, other than he's happy there and, and he's being taken care of? Why would he take another job in a mid-major if it wasn't a big, big uh, school? other than the fact that he doesn't need to, right? I think maybe he's just satisfied where he is. Well, yeah. I, I and, and look, the Ivy Leagues take care of you. First of all, you have to look at this from a, a personal standpoint. First of all, the Ivy Leagues pay a lot, right? I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's what they do. Second of all, you, you get to live on an Ivy League campus. You Your children, if you have kids, right, they get the Ivy League education. They, they get a lot of those things. Look at James Jones. James Jones is a guy... You know, and we're talking about the Yale head coach. He's not going anywhere, right? James Jones has been at Yale uh, since 99 as their head coach. Uh, James Jones has five regular season titles, uh, two Ivy League tournament titles. He's got coach of the year three times. Why isn't James Jones's door getting knocked down? Well, maybe it is, but he's not going anywhere. Uh, Ivy League coaches don't tend to jump because it's a good situation, and usually the big teams don't come calling. So yeah. are you jumping from, you know, Yale to, uh, uh, you know, uh, Quinnipiac? <laughs> you know what I mean? Are you jumping from Harvard to Toledo? 
No, you're not going to do that. You're not going to make that jump. Tom, are you jumping from Harvard to UNLV? <laughs> <laughs> right, but, hey, we laugh, but that's the truth. Right. Yeah. No one's yeah. leaving Harvard for UNLV or the Mountain West. And the Mountain West is a better conference, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but it's still not that elite program. You're, you're walking into a program where you don't know the recruiting. It's halfway across the country. It's not a top school. So you would be doing it primarily because they're just going to way overpay you. But you have no job security. James Jones has job security. Tommy Amaker has job security, right? I mean, these guys have job security. Real quick before the top of the hour, let's look at the SEC. If Alabama loses before the final of the SEC tournament, do they still get the one seed somewhere? And are they the first one seed, Tom, to be eliminated from this field once the tournament starts? They're, they're going to be a one seed almost regardless, Tim. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't see them not – I can't see them not with the resume they have in front of them, with what they've done. They have Auburn, Texas A&M. I think they could even stumble against Texas A&M. Yeah, Alabama's a one seed. Are they the first one seed eliminated? Oof, no, no. We can't even find the fourth one seed, right? We don't know if it's yeah. UCLA, Arizona, Texas, Baylor, Purdue. No, we can't even find that. And I, I don't believe in Houston. I know, look, I'm still late to the party on Houston, maybe, but I don't believe in Houston. So, no, Alabama is going to get a one. Alabama is going to be the villain of, of this field of 68. They are going to be the villain of this year because this moron that should have been thrown off the team and the gun situation, right? They are going to be the villain. They're going to play with a different kind of energy because of it's going to be us against the world. And, yes, it is right or wrong. They are going to have that mentality. They're not the first one to go. No, I think Alabama, look, if I take my personal emotions out of it, which I'm going to be rooting against them completely now what happened, I think Alabama's a Final Four team. Mm-hmm. I think that they might be the safest Final Four team in the field. I like Kansas a lot, but I think Kansas has times where they don't look great. Go look at the first half of the Baylor game. I think Alabama is the almost the surest Final Four team. I'm putting them in every bracket for me. I want to go the other route. You say they're they're going to be the villain, the play, the, the they're out to get us, me against the world. That's how they're playing it mentally, and that's how they're going to rev themselves up. But what I've seen since this has happened is Nate Oates is flabbergasted in what to say anymore. You could tell in the interviews. Uh, they played, obviously, the first game after that, almost lost on the road to South Carolina, which is a terrible basketball team. They barely squeezed by Arkansas the other day. Auburn and A&M left, like you said, even if they lost A&M, I think an early loss in the SEC tournament hurts them as well. Not not necessarily from where they're going to be seated, but going into this mentality of the big turn dance. And I think somewhere along the line that maybe all this, because the press is just going to get worse, right? Tom, there's going to be more and more and more. I think maybe it eventually catches up to them in the end. And I, I'm not, I am on Houston. I love Houston. To tell you, this is year two now of watching this. And I know their schedule. I get it, but. That didn't seem to affect them too much in the tournament last year. So, and I, I agree, Kansas is just look. They're they're looking for a repeat, and then the fourth seed. We don't know who it's going to be, but something just. When I'm filling out my brackets, Tommy, I think I got the Crimson Tide getting bounced a little bit earlier than most people. Tim, I hope you're right. I, I do. This guy Miller should have been thrown off the team, and NATO should be fired immediately because of the handling of this. Yeah. But neither one of those things happened, and not only that. This guy's coming out in a crowd, you know, a fog of smoke, been getting introduced and getting patted down. 
Yeah, that's their pregame ceremony, guys. Getting patted down for guns is their pregame ceremony. I can't make this up. Tim, this just happened. Don't no, just happened. Yeah. yeah, I can't make this up. So they are unabashedly throwing it in people's faces. They are doing, we are the villain. This has a lot of memories of, obviously to a different extent, but a lot of memories of the Ray Lewis, you know, kind of campaign after he was, you know, thrown about where he might've been a murderer or not in the white suit and all that has a lot of feelings of when Brady was suspended. Okay. Here's the revenge tour. It, it's not right. I'm not saying I agree with it, but Alabama could use this as fuel of us against the world. And, and we might be looking at a five on four weekend with a true villain where everybody should be rooting against. That's Mr. Tom Barton. I'm Tim Unglesby. Ryan with us as well here on a Super Sunday night. Hour two of Heat Wave Sports on the way. Some Major League Baseball. Some NFL talk. We'll bring up the Lamar situation again as we get closer and closer to that franchise tag deadline. And then I have something to say about the XFL, and we'll do that as we kick off hour two here on Heat Wave Sports, Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. Now back to Heat Wave Sports. Time for hour two of the Super Sunday Night Edition of E-Wave Sports. Tim Melville with Tom Barton. Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas. We're over on that there Twitter, at HW Sports, at Tom Barton Sports. If you still know how to use a phone, 876-1340. I know that's a rare thing nowadays, but people still call into shows, I think. 876-1340. We'll talk about whatever with you if you want to call in. And we will be on both nights next weekend, 4th and the 5th, so stay tuned for that. Well, one of us will be on both nights as we get you ready for the selection show coming up real soon. That can be us the 11th, so 12th. Before we jump into some NFL talk, Tom, I do want to talk about the other football league going on right now in the XFL and no, we're not going to talk about the league like we did in week one. No, we're not going to talk about the TV ratings. We're not even really going to talk about the caliber of play. And I've watched it just like Tom, you said, if it's on, you'll, you'll have it on. I watched it. And from week two to from week one to week two, slight improvement maybe in the, in the gameplay, I think. It's nothing to write home about. Nothing major like oh they were just nervous or the chemistry i just i think it was a little bit better depending on the matchups i think the games were close for the most part like saw a nice crowd out there and for the the battle of texas today i don't know if you saw that on tv but i want to talk about more of the local experience here and that yes we have another team the xfl vegas vipers head coach rod woodson right and when i look at other franchises and how they've come along as far as the marketing, as far as the fan support, as far as just in general, the, the word on the street, Tom, Vegas is at dead last in the league. Let's put it that way. What an atrocity that was on TV the other day. If you saw this and if this is what you're showcasing for the XFL Vegas, they will not be back next year. I can promise you that. Just an absolute embarrassment for this to be considered professional football. Number one, and and I know what people are going to say. Here, here we go with the boo birds out there that want to talk trash about what I say all the time. Oh well, the weather was terrible. Step in line. 
it's all over the country, so it has nothing to do with it. I've seen vacant lots, Tom, with bottles and trash blown all over it. Vacant parking lots that had a better setup than that field over at Cashman for game one, their first home game of this this new venture of the XFL. If The Rock saw this, he should be embarrassed at the field that they had to play on. It, I've seen literally, Tom, high school football fields in better condition than what I saw on TV. They could have played at Gorman and it would have looked a lot better. That That's 100% honest truth. As far as the fan support goes, a reported 6,000 fans were out there for this game. That's the lowest of, of any game so far. 6,000, and guess what? That's an inflated number. I know three different people over there. That's an inflated number. And again, it was the weather, right? Crimea River. Just horrible. Absolutely horrible. This was not set up. To, and I was wondering, this has a season started, Tom. I was wondering, like, where's this big steam coming from the Vegas the Vegas locals out here, the, the best fans in the world, right? The best fans, Vegas fans. Nobody was talking about the XFL. No media is covering the XFL. You can't find stats on it anywhere. The numbers are given you are inflated and wrong. I, I sincerely hope that they see this as something that they can change here in the next two months, or we will not have a team next year. It, it was just complete garbage from what I saw, and I'm just trying to be nice about it right now. And maybe I shouldn't because supposedly, Tom, Cashman, which was a major league, minor league baseball field, we know that, and now they play um, – soccer there i i think they had a set up for ten thousand, and they said six were there there was not 60 percent capacity there i promise you that and it, it was just it was bad man it was i don't even know how a nicer way to put it other than it was garbage and i'm being very nice about it tim it it, it was so bad it got national attention of how <laughs> bad it looked i jokingly sort of asked you and i was like are they playing at a high school? Because actually I think it would have looked better at high school. I, the setup was so amateur. It's so horrific. I, look, I just talked about Ivy league football, right? <laughs> okay. I've been in stadiums with 6,000, 6,000 people. There, 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 there was not 6,000. I, I mean, no. there was just, there, there was, there was not um, 6,000 people there. And it was blatantly empty, open, just desolate. It was a terrible setup. There's like in the corner, you could still see the baseball field, but there's trucks, right? I mean, it was, it was like, I felt like there was like things on the field. There, there's a makeshift um, wall in the back with, yeah. with, with like a clock. And when I tell you, I have absolutely 100% seen high school football games that that look way better than this. I'm not overshooting it, man. I am absolutely not overshooting it. It was horrific. Horrific. And what it what it really was, guys, I don't want to hear about the weather. I don't want it was thrown together. If I went out and I coach baseball for my son and we go to all my daughter's cheerleading games, right? If I went out to her cheerleading and I saw a field like this, I would not sign my son up for football because the field was in horrific condition. They looked like there was absolutely no interest. There was no just care. There was nothing. It was it was awful. People put up signs uh, that 
that the old 51s logo is there with like Ticketmaster and it's ripped and it's falling down and it, and it's a disaster. What were they doing? And you're, you're right. You know, the rock should be ashamed. And this is, I mean, come on, this is Las Vegas. This is not a random place. The, the giant towers, Tim, to even broadcast the game in full view. They, they weren't even like wrapped. Like you think, wrap them up with an XFL, wrap, wrap them up with a logo. No, 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 they, they weren't even wrapped, right? There was these two giant like big lines going across the middle of the field. It, it was, it was, it was terrible. It was, it was first of all unsafe. It was unsightly. This comes after we kind of were applauding the XFL last week. It was unwatchable. This is a disgrace. Take take my credential. Our buddy Jose Volante put up a good picture, Tim. You guys want to go check him out at Jose underscore Volante. He put up a good picture uh, that he was there, and it is. <laughs> I mean, it, it encompasses everything. You see the terrible fixtures, the outfield grass, little pop up tents. There's just a truck on the field. I mean, you know, <laughs> we see the old, you know, the old 1970s like like NFL. Where you know the guy kind of like avoids a car and stuff. Yeah, this is what we're talking about. It, it was terrible, terrible, terrible. Take take my credential if you don't like what I have to say because it's the truth. They did nothing. This franchise did nothing building up into this. Why would don't... they take your credential, Tim? Because you're fighting for what they should be getting, which is more. You think that they are better. They should be getting more. Yes. So they're not, they're not taking your credential. You're their biggest supporter. That they should be more. This should be more. It should look better. They should care more about them. They should. I saw no advertising for this. Barely any. What what events did they do around the city to build build up the, the league coming? Tim, the lights. A- the, the lights <laughs> had lights out. You know the light towers? They had lights yes. out. Yes. Didn't even screw the lights in. And Tom, they had an extra week. Their first home game was week two, so they had something to build off of what the positives that we were talking about in week one about the league. And really, if you're looking at this league from a from a complete, if you stand back and look at this, right, you have Dallas, Houston, Washington, and Seattle that all have NFL teams. I get it. That's going to be a little tougher, right? But Vegas, Orlando, St. Louis, and San Antonio, all markets that want more. They should be they should be concentrating on those markets. And look what San Antonio's doing, Tom. They're averaging twenty. They have they had twenty four thousand people the first week in the Alamo Dome. They this they had two thousand out at at a elementary school field here. It, you can't have it like that. It's Tim, if you turned around and and put a you know one of those, I'm not I'm not really good on like you know the Insta stuff. But if you put like an old time filter on this field <laughs> and you told me this was like 1932, I'd go, oh, yeah, OK, I can see it. Yeah. What's this black and Three white game? tittle days. I'm going, all right. OK, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. about right. The the sandlot of, of football, though, right? Watch out for that rock on the 30 yard line. Yeah, listen, Come the on, scaffolding man. was just a beautiful sight. I, I Just, yeah, I, I lived in all, New York City. I lived and worked in New York City for 11 years. I didn't see as much scaffolding as on, on the field. And in all, in all truthfulness, I sent you that video, and I just said, this is an embarrassment. Like, And you said, somebody's going to get hurt. And that's absolute truth. Like, 
there's no league if somebody runs into one, you know, that wall that doesn't look like there's any gift to it. I just. Absolutely. You know the first thing I thought, I said, someone's really going to get hurt in this. Like, I yeah. mean, it, it looked dangerous and not because of the weather, you know, not because of the weather. It, it just was a dangerous looking field. It was awful. Well, I get they they have a game this week, Tom. So let's see what they do, because I know we're not the only ones that have talked negatively about this. Like you said, it's made national news. So I would have to assume that somebody in the football operations of the XFL is making a call or has already made that call and said, "What are you guys doing? You need to step this up." I, I just somebody got to be getting right. rock bottom this week, Tim. Yeah, <laughs> he needs to make an appearance. Yeah, and by the way. The just to give people a visual, if you can't pull up the pictures on Twitter or whatever, whatnot, when I tell you, I, I'm I'm gonna say I'm not sure a fat dude could fit between the goalpost and the and the wall. <laughs> right? Am I wrong, Tim? Yeah. Like, and, I, and I'm I'm not overblowing it. First of all, you know I'm six foot. Okay, if I put both of my arms out, I would absolutely hit the goalpost and the wall. Right? So. And I, I'm not a, I'm not a slender guy, but I'm certainly not big. You know, I, I'm about six foot. I'm a, under 200, right? So I think I would have trouble walking behind that. There's a fat guy's not getting behind. Like an offensive lineman is not going to fit between that. So think about how close that is now to the sidelines. It, it, that wall's got to be what? Five, seven yards from the, yeah. the end, back of the end zone. Someone's going to go right into that thing, man. And you know what, Tom? I don't like to blast local media. And I say that with a smile on my face, right? But I got I to gotta, I gotta say something about this. And I just I saw this headline. <clears throat> this is the headline. And this is from, I'll, I'll even say where it's from. It's from Las Vegas Sun, lasvegasun.com. This is the headline. Rainstorm dampens local XFL debut as Vegas Vipers lose at Cashman Field. And then the sub is elements conspire against promising revived spring football league. No, that's not what happened. The, the weather has nothing to do with this. And, and the elements had nothing to do with the garbage that was promoted as what the professional football should be. And you guys think about all these sub-leagues and what you get the USFL starting again in a couple of weeks, right, Tom? All these small leagues, what, what are they doing? It's just a waste of money if this is the way it's going to be. You cannot have a league that has a franchise like St. Louis or San Antonio that does it what's con considered the right way. And then have a market like Las Vegas, which is trying to be a major league sports town, and present this. So I'm sorry that 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 is fake news. That headline is terrible. Tim, Those if you had if, if, if you scanned over the field and you had like an entire other team, like a pee wee team, like waiting on their knees, like for the end of the game, you know how's that's how they do it? Like like you know smaller. When you go, oh yeah, that's about right. Yeah. Like the next team on the field, definitely going to be like a ten year old travel team. What, what was that movie that? Al Bundy was in with Rick Moranis. Remember when they were like brothers and they little had, uh, giants. Yeah. Yes, the field. That was what the field looked like. I just sent you a picture that I found, Tim. I just sent you a picture of that uh, of, of how close I'm to the, the wall. It is just shockingly close. Someone's going to get hurt. I mean, it, it's just going to happen, and not because they are slipping and falling. I know the kick was funny. Ha ha! ha. He missed it and he fell. Uh, the field conditions were terrible weather-wise, sure, but this goes way beyond weather. Way beyond weather. Just to put the cherry on top of the Sunday. Look, I'm calling it like I'm seeing it. I hope they get it get it right by the end 
I hope they get it right by this week, Tom. I, but at least work on it, do something. And as far as fan support goes, it's very hard. And we've seen, we know this, Tom. It's very hard if that's what you're starting with. It generally doesn't get better. Like usually in these leagues, the first week with all the people that are interested and they, you know they want to looky lose, they want to check it out. Usually those are your best numbers. So if you're starting out with a in parentheses six thousand, geez, I hope. I really hope that uh, they have something set up that they can drive a tennis or else there, there won't be a team here next year. Let's just put it that way. There might not be a league. I don't know. Well, I had some high hopes. They were quickly dashed. <laughs> Let's talk about this. Uh, it's gaining steam, Tom, because the deadline's coming up. And we're going to move the NFL real quick here. So teams have until uh, March 7th for the franchise tag. The window is started earlier this week. It closes on March the 7th. So teams can franchise a player with the hopes of that maybe they can work on a contract or a trade situation, right, Tom? <clears throat> the biggest name, we already know this, we've been talking about it for a year now, is, is Lamar Jackson. And I'm hearing rumors on both sides of what's going to happen here. The, the, the fact of the matter is that it, the quarterback franchise tag is $45 million for one year. I think you can franchise tag what Tom up to three years, which it's obviously, I don't think that's going to happen here, but 45 million, one year you've heard just like I have, you've heard both sides of it, that Ravens are talking to them. Then the other side, Ravens aren't talking to them. You have teams starting to put packages together. Or what, what's an acceptable uh, package for Lamar Jackson? no, not like the dummies out here on Twitter that are saying that Derek Carr was worth two first round picks. Not that. What? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can find the tweet too. It was ridiculous. What's going to happen here, Tommy? As look, we're running a little over a week here. They got to make a decision soon. Do they slap the 45 mil on him and try to move him at that? Point? Make him play? Does he, does he hold out? I mean, it's going to happen. It's it's coming soon. Something has to happen here real soon. Well, Tim, I got some odds for you on if he leaves. Atlanta's 3 to 1, the New York Jets a plus 350, Las Vegas plus 450, Tampa Bay's 5 to 1, the Patriots 750, Carolina 9 to 1, San Francisco 12 to 1, Commanders are 12 to 1. So just by that, okay? If we're going by by that. Washington's not doing it, right? They they come on. Let's let's be real. San Francisco no chance. Okay, New England, no, they're not going with Lamar. I, I no, no way. The Bucks, they're not going to reinvest into that. So it's Carolina, Vegas, Jets, Atlanta. Those are the four teams I guess you could kind of put in there. But here's the thing. Atlanta, the Jets, Raiders, and Carolina, all four of them <laughs> have been rumored in on well, the three free agents, right? The three guys that are out there, Aaron Rodgers, well, not a free agent, but we know after his darkness retreat or whatever the hell that was, okay? So they all hope that they land Aaron Rodgers. If they don't, who's the consolation prize? Well, you have some consolation prizes, right? Maybe a Ryan Tannehill, maybe a Jimmy G, and definitely a Derek Carr, not for the Raiders, though. So I think that these teams are all looking at it and saying, well, we wouldn't have to, outside of the Rodgers situation, we wouldn't have to give up a lot to go get this secondary. Oh, by the way, we also have a draft coming up where if we're going to give up picks, why would we not go out there and go up, give up picks 
for a new franchise guy. The Atlanta Falcons are the leader here. Does Atlanta believe that Michael Vick is the difference between them paying him $45 million for the next, what, seven, eight years, and then he's the difference between them winning a Super Bowl? Or is Atlanta in a position like Carolina, hey, we're in a very weak division, and maybe we could get something done? So I think you have to look at what the what the field tells you, too. I don't see Atlanta, the Jets, the Raiders, or the Panthers coming up and making a good enough offer to pry Lamar Jackson away. I mean, if you're Baltimore, you're going, we have a Super Bowl window. Lamar Jackson can win that Super Bowl for us. Now, maybe he's not happy. Maybe we don't want to pay him long term. But let's see if we can squeeze one more year out of him. I don't see him being traded here, Tim. That doesn't mean he can't be traded after he signs. But I think they hit him with the franchise tag. That's why it's there. And then once he's under the franchise tag, they turn around and go, okay, everybody, he's ours. Now we don't have to have to move him, right? Now we, we already made that decision. Now let's talk some trades. I do believe that the Atlanta Falcons are the most likely team. I think the Jets have their sights set on something bigger. I don't see him as a fit with the Raiders at all. And it comes down to kind of Atlanta or Carolina in that point. I think Atlanta makes a lot of sense. But does Atlanta, a young team like that, do they really go out there and give up what Baltimore's going to have to ask for, which is going to be, you know, maybe two firsts? And, oh, by the way, you got to get that contract. I've always felt, as a fan, fan heart here, right? I've always felt that he will be a Raven. I still think he will be a Raven, Tom. I don't feel like he's moving anywhere. And it's, in my mind, it's like, well, you know, there's the business side of it. Well, he's his own agent. His mom's his agent. He doesn't have the the, the big scumbag agents that, that get in their, their ear, Tommy, and, and build it up to what it is. I think he's happy there. I think that um, he just wants to be paid what he thinks he's worth. Is if we're going, and we, you and I have always agreed that the contracts are way ridiculous. And why should the Ravens, though, from a business standpoint, be held at gunpoint to put it a, a, in that term? Because the Cleveland Browns are idiots. Why? Why should Baltimore have to fold under that? Why should any team have to fold under that? Because inept, complete dumbasses in Cleveland gave an idiot guaranteed money. And I think this is what's going to happen here, Tom. Is that they're not? They're not going to. Cleveland ruined the market for everybody, right? I don't think these teams are going to follow suit and just join the club. So at the end of the day, there will be a compromise somewhere. I truly believe that. Now, from a business standpoint, if they're if they just if Lamar's like, no, you're going to pay me or I'm gone, now it comes down to what the return is going to be. At minimum, Tom, at minimum, two firsts. There has to be more of that. I don't think why is Baltimore why should Baltimore settle for less? They don't have to move them. Slap the tag on them. Either you play or you don't. And I get it. It when it comes push comes to shove, you want to get something out of it. But Baltimore holds the cards here, not Lamar Jackson. And I think this is what we're going to see is if if they can't come to an extension, that tag will be slapped, and he will be on the hook to play for forty five million next year. And then we'll see where we're at a year later. I, you know, it's hard for me to say he's going to sit out, Tom, and not get paid. So. I think we see him at least one more year, and I hope they get something done. But what can these teams offer other than you have? To, what's the market for him? It has to be two number ones minimum. Tim, let, let me play this scenario out for you because this is where I, I think Lamar Jackson can be dealt. If we have 
basically an uneventful offseason. And let, let me explain. So the Ravens decide to tag him, okay? Um, but what happens? Aaron Rodgers comes out of his hole, right? That's what he was in, just, just some random hole somewhere, right? Comes out of his bowl, and he goes, I want to go back to Green Bay, mm-hmm. right? Now the Jets, the Jets turned around, and they got their fans all excited. So the Jets signed Derek Carr, all right? The, the Raiders signed Jimmy Garoppolo. The Panthers decide, ah, we're going to go in the draft. The Colts to say, hey, we're going to go into the draft. And now you're sitting there, and, and the market has kind of dried up. Here's where I can see Lamar Jackson going. And Atlanta Falcons or Carolina Panthers getting out of the draft without their quarterback. The Levises, the Youngs, the Strouds of the world all go. Atlanta's sitting there going, okay, I, I don't think we can win with our guy. That, by the way, we picked last year, Desmond Ritter. I don't think we could win with him. Or the Panthers go, man, you know what? We got, we got nothing. <laughs> I mean, we don't have anything. Or the Raiders. Let's say the Raiders don't make that deal. So let's just call it musical chairs here, Tim, right? So there, there's there's quite a few teams that need a quarterback. I mean, you're, you're talking about really you could make an argument 10 teams need a quarterback. But if Rodgers goes back to his team and this one goes, it's all of a sudden it's musical chairs. And if there's a team that feels, hey, we have a short window, we could use Lamar, we need the, the face, the brand name, we need more than just Lamar on the field, like a Panthers, like an Atlanta, right? Uh, maybe even like a Colts. If they feel like that, then I could see him getting traded. I can see him getting traded because after the draft, teams are standing there and holding the bag. And I did a, an article about the New York Jets not that long ago about this because the New York Jets have built their fans up that they're, they're making a run at Aaron Rodgers. I mean, that's what they're doing. And then once they started to have some doubts, all anybody's doing in the Jet media and the Jet media relations going, ah, well, Derek Carr's really good. And they're giving all the Derek Carr stats. Derek Carr, you know what I heard this week? Five times on the air, different stations, by the way, that Derek Carr could be a Hall of Famer. Yeah, that's what that's what the New York media is making it out to be. So if you shoot for Aaron Rodgers and miss, and you shoot for Derek Carr, and let's say he decides to go to the Panthers, right? And then Jimmy G is not available. He goes back to New England. The New York Jets cannot sit there and not make a move. And maybe that's the scenario that Jackson gets dealt. But you ask me, do I think he gets dealt? I don't think so. I think they franchise tag him. I think Lamar Jackson's the opening quarterback game one, week one for Baltimore next year. But I can see scenarios where all of a sudden there's a team that is holding the bag, standing there, musical chairs ends, and they don't have a chair. And they go, you know what? We're going to overpay because our fans will not allow us to not overpay. I mean, even Rodgers and Carr is going to cost you $30 million minimum, right, Tom? It's- yeah, and, and that's the thing. I mean, only the Jets really built this up, you know, but the Raiders, look at the Raiders. Let's just look at what happens with Las Vegas. Everyone's got their their eyes set. Well, Rodgers is coming. Okay, you're, you're very much like the Jets. Rodgers coming here. Rodgers goes back to Green Bay. That's not far-fetched, Tim, right? Clubhouse leader right now. Minus 200 to go back to Green Bay. So he goes back to Green Bay. All right, well, you're not bringing Derek Carr back. So what do you do? Do you go Ryan Tannehill? Or or maybe maybe Tennessee doesn't let him go? Do you go with Jimmy Garoppolo? Eh, he goes back home to Bill. He likes New England. Or he goes to Tampa Bay. Takes over for Brady there, right? Uh, so now all of a sudden, you don't have the draft capital. Are you going to sell your fans on, on Will Levis? 
Is that going to be okay? Mark Davis doesn't seem like that guy to me. Mark Davis seems like a guy that will have a knee-jerk reaction to go out there and go get Lamar Jackson. Jets and Raiders might almost have to make a stupid move because they way they have approached this offseason. A team like Atlanta makes a lot of sense, but the Jets and Raiders have told their fans, this is what we, we have to do. And if you swing and miss at a big guy, swing and miss at the middle guy, swing and miss at the lower guy, now you might have to make a move. We shall see, right, Tom? We shall see. I'm, I'm with you, though. I think he's a Raven for week one, and we'll worry about the contract. At that, if, if, if it's franchised, then we'll worry about the contract later, but I think he stays. And Does, uh, he, we'll, does he play 18 games, Tim? I mean, just going by, by uh, past years, probably not, but not a good thing. 26 years old. A lot of tread on those tires as a quarterback. I truly feel he could have come back, Tom, this last year. I, I think, think so, too. I, I told you that before the year. Yeah. You know, before the year, I said, what's going to happen is that, that this guy's going to get a minor injury and go, well, I'm not laying my, my life on the line for you. Right. And I know a lot of fans can think a certain way about that, but look, it's business, and it is what it is. But we all know how important a quarterback is to win the Super Bowl. And you've always said it, no matter what we're talking about, when we talk about coaching, when we talk about uh, players, whatever the sport is, you're, you're, you always said it best is, well, who are you going to replace him with? He's that option. He's, there's no replacement for him. So, Well, huh, bring- well, they have a Pro Bowl backup. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely <laughs> right. <laughs> That's a very good point, Tom. I'm sorry. I, my credibility is shot now, man. A pro Bowl <laughs> backup. That is great. <laughs> and we're going to take a break just because of that. We'll take the final one. When we come back, we're going to round the bases, a little Major League Baseball talk. As spring training has opened up, and we are just a few weeks away from first pitch, opening day. Can't wait. We're going to talk about the camp happenings, but more so – well, one of Tom's favorite players, Manny Machado. We'll talk about him on the other side of the timeout. It's Heatwave Sports here on a Super Sunday Night, Fox Sports Radio. I can't believe you asked that. I really can't believe it. Let me see here. Kentucky Wildcats, number four in the country. I'm hearing four first-round draft choices. And you're asking me how that got away from me? They're, they're, they're the big blue. You ought to know that. I'm not mad at you. Now back to Heat Wave Sports. Here's Tim Unglesby and Tom Barton. Tommy, not to go back in time, but since that clip played, the big blue, some some good value on Kentucky. They're on a winning streak now, though, so that probably went down. But could get, get them, they were what, around 20, 25 to 1, right? Yeah, I'm not buying in. <laughs> I mean, you know, look, when you, when you start doing this, you start looking at hopeful, you know, Hopeful situations where you can say, "Okay, I, they're going to get so far, and then I could kind of hedge." I don't think I don't think I'm I'm going to go in on them because I don't think that they could get to the Sweet Sixteen, and that's when I would get hedging opportunity for them. Yeah, they're down to about twenty to one right now. See, as the field pans out, the values are. So we're going to spend the rest of the show talking about Major League Baseball spring training is open. 
teams are are playing games now. We have games, uh, so we're we're just we're almost there, Tom. We've been waiting. We're almost there, and uh, already we're seeing what what a I guess with the off season, a lot there's a lot going on, but more so we're talking about we're always looking ahead. So what do we have ahead, right? These some of these bigger name players are going to get paid money. Obviously, next year is the the race for Otani. But a, a guy named Manny Machado, who's been in this position before, Tom, he came out, said, "Look, I'm not, I'm opting out. He had op, his, he had an opt out after this season. He says, I'm opting out. I'm going to test the free agent market." Well, a couple of days later, that that's no longer as himself and the Padres, three hundred fifty million dollar extension, eleven years. Now he says he will retire as a Padre. Tommy, your your thoughts on this? I, I think that the Padres are throwing stupid money around. Um, I think that the Padres are, like you said during the break, they are absolutely all in right now. But we have watched teams that are not perennial spenders. They go all in. They say, here we go. And if they fail, which a lot of them do, they are really regretting it at the end of that, that those contracts. The Padres can be one of those teams that, you know what? Next two or three years, we're going to be looking at them, and we're going to be saying, "Whew! I got to tell you, eh, this these Padres—they're they're in it every year. They're right there every year, right?" But they got Bogarts to a ten-year deal, Darvish until he's forty. They have, uh, you know, a big-time, big-time deals with guys that you know, obviously now Machado and and you have Tatis, big-time deals with players that you look at and you go. We're not talking about, well, they're giving $50 million for this year. No, 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 no. This is money locked up for a long, long time. And it's going to be untradeable money, right? I mean, it's not going to be tradable money. Giving this money to Manny Machado, I think it's I think it's a good deal. It's a good move, but not the years. And I could say that about just about everybody, right? I didn't like the years on Fernando Tatis, right? I didn't like the years... On you, Darvish. I didn't like the years on Xander Bogarts. I didn't like the years on a lot of guys. Manny Machado, guys, look, I mean, he's 30 years old, but he's going to turn 31 during the season, right? okay? So he's going to turn 31 over the summer. You're paying him until he's 42 years old. You're paying him until he's 42, okay? Manny Machado is a very good baseball player. Uh, do I want Manny Machado on my team? At 42 years old, you know, absolutely not. So they're 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 saying what what the Padres are doing, what we've shown them to do, is that they're going okay. We are all in, and we don't care about the future. But I think that they will. You know, I mean, you Darvish, 36 years old, he turns 37 this August. They're paying him till he's 43. So they don't care paying guys into their 40s, but they will. You know. We often say the last couple of years of a contract, you know, gets bad. Oh, the last couple of years, it gets bad. This is more than the last couple of years getting bad, Tim. This is a, a rough, rough situation down the road. But for right now, right now, it's huge. Right now, it's great for the Padres. I think that they are all in, and I, I applaud them for spending the money. I applaud them for going all in. But I wonder the, the fallout. I wanted to talk to you about the fallout. Because Juan Soto is going to be the next guy. Now you've set the precedent that you're willing to give 10, 11, 12-year contracts. Juan Soto is younger 
that all the guys that were paid, Juan Soto is better than all the guys that are getting paid. So now you just gave Manny Machado 11 years, 350. What kind of deal will it take to keep Soto? Or is this, hey, you know what? We know we're not going to compete with Steve Cohen. Steve Cohen's going to come in over the top. So let's lock up Manny so we don't lose Manny and Soto because I know for a fact that Steve Cohen had his eyes on Manny Machado. I've, I've been a Padre quasi fan since the 80s, right, growing up. Um, I don't know. Maybe it was the brown, the brown and yellow jerseys that, that got me there. But I've always kind of just been a closet fan, right? We all know that I'm an Oriole Angel guy, but I like the Padres too. And I enjoyed being able to go to games, Tom, when there was nobody there, right? But here's the thing that the Padre ownership is they're, they're, they're killing that, that, that whole onus that, well, small market teams can never contend. Then you shouldn't have you shouldn't own a team if you're not willing to spend. So I, you know, and don't get me wrong, I've never never liked the Yankees either, right? But they they do what they have to do to win and then spend money. And I like this fact that the Padres are like, look, we're we you may consider us small market, but we're going to go spend that money. We can be the Dodgers, we can be the Yankees, we can be the Red Sox, and he's done it, right? There's no doubt about that. Machado eleven three fifty, Bogarts eleven two eighty, Tatis fourteen three forty. You said Darvish. That's 108 millions. Joe Musgrove's getting 100 million for the next five, 100 million in a five-year deal. Uh, Kim, I know the future. We're gonna talk a little bit about the future. They love Kim. He's got an option coming up in a couple years. They're gonna have to look at that. But you said it. Soto has got to be the guy, right? And if I know this, the way they're looking at this, they're not gonna wait till 2024 to get this done, Tom. They're gonna try to do it right away. And oh, by the way. If they feel that some reason Soto doesn't want to be there, we can talk about the chase for Otani and five hundred million because I, I I keep hearing the Padres are a contender in that. So no salary cap. You want to pay the the the, uh, the the tax penalty? So be it. Load it up and worry about what they're going to do with these guys in six seven years when it's not working out for them, right, Tom? Because that's usually what happens. Tim, what is a what is it? Look, the Otani thing you brought up, because I think that there's fallout there as well. I think that with this Manny Machado signing, I really do believe that the fear of Steve Cohen was put into the Padres. And I think mm. they're going, look, Steve Cohen could go out there and he, we, we know it's basically on record here in New York that Steve Cohen said, I'm going all in on Otani. Okay. Um, but he may do the same with Juan Soto as well. And no one's going to outspend him. Even the Mariners, who I've heard you know, might be in it as well. But the thing is, with Otani, you look at him and you go, okay, a lot of people are worried about his, uh, you know, his arm. A lot of people are worried about his age. Not worried, but, you know, look, the guy's going to turn 29. Otani's going to get maybe, maybe the 10 years, maybe the 500 million, right? I think that's a fair estimate. We'll say, say 11 years, 500 million. I think that's a fair estimate for Otani. I think Steve Cohen will pay that. What is a 23-year-old Juan Soto going to get? Now, last year, before he was traded, Sports Track, right? Uh, Sport Track, which does it, had Otani had uh, Juan Soto at 503 million 15-year contract as the highest predicted contract of all time. He turned down 440 million. That was last year, right? 
is market value is well above 500. The Padres are handing out years well into their 40s. I don't think that Juan Soto is getting a 20-year contract. Who wouldn't shock me? It really wouldn't. I don't think he's getting a 20-year contract. But Tim, if you're getting, if you're talking about Max Scherzer is getting 44 million or 43 million dollars a year. Justin Verlander 43 million dollars a year. Aaron Judge 40 million dollars a year. Okay? Otani's going to command 40 to 50, probably about 45. He's going to want to be the highest paid player. 45 million a year. Where does Juan Soto come in? If you're offering him 15 years, Tim, we're talking about, forget about 500 million. Are they going to give him $700 million? And I know it's fall off your seat money, but I think that that's what it's going to take. If if Juan Soto is out here asking for a 15-year contract, because look at what you just gave to Manny. Look at what you just gave to you, Darvish. Somebody's going to pay it. There's no doubt about that. What is he worth? 40, he's worth 40 minimum 40, right? And you know he's going to get more than that. So $40 million a year, he will be a bargain. I think that he is going to, and rightfully so, I think, see, again, Steve Cohen with the Scherzer at 43 is ridiculous. But, okay, he's a starting pitcher. He's older. It's a shorter contract. Aaron Judge just got nine years, 40 million. Okay? And he's 10 years older or nine years older. Mm-hmm. So it's the years that I think are, are, are is going to be ridiculous, right? Um, I think it's the years that we are going to be stunned about because what the Padres are doing are locking guys up just, you know, ridiculous. What did Tatis get? A 12-year contract, right? 14. 14, right. So if Tatis got 14, Soto's got to get 15. It has to get 15. And if you do even just, let, let's just do the math here. Let's say he gets only Aaron Judge money, which I say only, but okay. Okay, so let's just say he gets $40 million times the 15 years, okay? he's That's $600 million, Tim. And I think he makes more than that. I think he, go, I think he goes 45 for 15. That's 675. Like I said, $500 million is a drop in the bucket now because of what the Padres did with how long and what Steve uh, Cohen did with the price tag. I think we're going to be looking at Juan Soto at close to $700 million. 16-year, $700 million. And that's only good until Vladdy comes up for his contract, right? I, you know, it it's crazy. It really is. But where, where, who gets paid the most? Mike Trout gets paid the most per season, correct? No, no. Judge now. Judge most. Okay. So Otani's going to be... Anthony Rendon, second most among position players. <laughs> hey, man, he's healthy. He's in the lineup today, Tom. We're looking for big things out of him this year. So. Well, it, listen, it could be worse because the fourth, uh, the eighth most uh, highest paid player in baseball and the fourth highest paid pitcher in baseball is Steven Strasburg. <laughs> yes. So things things yeah. could be worse. Yeah, you're right. I'm, I'm interested to see. I really am. And could the Padres I think he get gets both? it. I, I think he gets it. And, and here's the thing. People are like, oh, well, Seattle. I think Juan Soto or Otani are playing for the New York Mets next year. And it would not shock me if both were. Cohen would spend a billion dollars on those two guys? Yep. If, if the Mets – well, here's why. Let me tell you why. There's, there's two reasons. Number one, if the Mets 
don't win the World Series, I think that then he would spend it. If he won it, I, I don't know if he would spend it. But here's why. He gives Max Scherzer $43 million a year and Verlander $43 million a year. But they come off the books in two years. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, $86 million a year comes off the books. So you could go out there and give Otani and and Soto, you know, the $80 million a year together or $86 million a year together. You only really have to pay that ridiculous amount, $160 million for four players for two years, and then you're out of those contracts, and then they kind of just take over for them. Not that you would, Tom, but I, I hope you don't plan on taking Tommy to uh, City Field anytime soon if that were going to happen because you'd have to mortgage your house to go to a game to pay those salaries. So, I mean, it is what it is. <laughs> Already do. Man, I have a beer there. It's like, well, co- college, you better be getting a scholarship, Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? Daddy had a beer and two pretzels, man. All right. Gr- Gracie, I had a hot dog. Now it's your turn. You're out too. <laughs> SUNY schools for you guys. Let's go. Well, we have <clears throat> a little over a month away to opening day, but stay tuned for Tim and Tom's annual Major League Baseball preview, where we have a lot of fun with that. And plenty, plenty. Tim, I've already bet two uh, team totals already. Okay. Care to give one of those up? Sure. I am on uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks. I, oh, I got it at 75 wins. I'm all over the D-backs this year. 75 is not a lot. They, I think they have rook, the rookie of the year on their team in Corbin Carroll. I think they have potentially the Cy Young on their team in Zach Gallen, although I went with Woodward. But top three in Cy Young, top three in rookie of the year. I like their bullpen. I like Andrew Chafin. I like their young core. They're not going to trade anybody at the deadline. It's not like a team that's going to sell. They're actually going to be bringing up the exciting players. And I think that the Rockies are going to be awful this year. I think San Francisco takes a step back. And I think the Dodgers take a step back. And by the way, it's also the year, and we'll talk about this when it gets closer, you don't have to play all these teams in your division this year, right? So it's not division-loaded anymore. 75 wins? I think Arizona could be a wild-card team. Well, we already know that that could be the lock. Last year's lock was Tom was the Yankees over the 91-and-a-half wins. So, Oh, yeah, you crushed that one. I hit like, the Baltimore over last year. The Baltimore yeah. over was good to me. Yeah. No value on it. I this hit year. that like late August. I hit that. That was that was a no brainer. Everybody believes in my birds, Tom. There's no value on that now. So none at all. No, no, there's not. You know, I'll give you the other one that I like. I'll give it to you now. Why not? Right? We have a couple of minutes and I'm giving stuff away here. Um it's a team that you have to hold your nose to go bet this. But I like the Pittsburgh Pirates team total. It's over sixty five. I think they have a a fun young team. They have a good minor league system coming up. They go six or seven starters deep. I like the back end of that bullpen. And again, I know they don't play a full division. The Reds are bad. I'm not sure if the Cubs are very good. The Brewers could be selling at the break. I see the Pirates getting not a lot, but to me, they're a 70, 75 win team. That I mean, you're talking about 65 wins is not asking too much. We say that we'll be talking in August when they have 40 wins, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, they've lost 100 games back-to-back years. In the history of baseball, if you look at the history of baseball, it is tough to lose three straight 100-year seasons. The Pirates can certainly do it. 
I was going to say, if not. anybody could do it, it could be them, though, right? Right. Them or the Tigers. How about that? Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I know we wanted to, we'll, we'll save this for next next Saturday because I know we want to talk about this pitch clock and, and the, already what we're seeing from it. So we'll have another week's worth more of data to, to bring up next week. But let everybody know about uh, all the great things Tom Barton is. Guys, go check out TomBartonSports.com. Look, I am grinding away, still up, still making a profit week after week, month after month. It's TomBartonSports.com. I actually have an NBA play for you tomorrow at TomBartonSports.com, but I've been crushing it in college basketball, making sure that you guys get everything in the NHL as well. So go check that out. If you mentioned that you heard me here, I give you a free week of service on top of your extended one month of 30 days of service. Go check that out. Go check out. Hey, believe in the Ivy League, guys. You know, there's a Ivy League tournament. Start getting used to which team is going to represent you. Go check me out there. Believe in betting on the Believe Network. Just had a good interview, a real good interview this week. You guys can go check that out. And wagering week over at Sports Garden Network. Tom, what is this NBA you speak of? Hey, I, I, I bet less than 10 NBA games, but my record is sparkling. <laughs> Check it out, TomBartonSports.com. Please mention Heatwave Sports so Tom can give you an extra week of service, all for under, like he said, under 100 bucks to win consistently and have a little extra spending money. That's what it comes down to. For Tom, for Ryan, we'll talk to you next Saturday night right here on Fox Sports Radio Las Vegas. This is Heatwave Sports. Have a good night. <laughs>